I enjoyed worshiping with you this morning. Keep pressing in, amen. Keep pressing in. Well, praise the Lord. Are you responding this morning to the pastor? No, you listen. Is this on? Good to be back. Good to see all you here this morning. We have a special treat. Um, Pastor Tony Mortarana is here. For those of you who have been here a long time, you know Pastor Tony was youth pastor here. Uh, he was my youth pastor when he was here. And uh, so if I'm good, bad, or ugly, thank Tony. And But uh, he has a word from the Lord for us. First service was just powerful. He's uh, pastored and ministered all around. He's going to share some of his testimony and some powerful things from the word for you today. So I pray you open up your hearts and get ready to receive from the Father heart of God this morning. Amen. Let Pastor Tony know you appreciate him being here. Thanks, kid. Well, so good to be back here. This is one of my stops in my life in ministry. Uh, Back in 1985, uh, the Lord brought me up here from uh, Long Island, originally from the Bronx, but uh, I was ministering in Long Island for a, a season, and then the, it was just an amazing uh, opportunity to come here. I had a youth group of a couple of hundred kids down in Long Island and had a radio program and successful ministry, but uh, someone came up and said to me that this church up in Poughkeepsie uh, had a youth group that was eating youth pastors up and spitting them out. And being from the Bronx, I said, That's for me. that is for me, man. I, where are these kids? And I came up here, and uh, sure enough, it was that type of youth group. I, uh, first time I got in the youth group, I gave my testimony, and as I was preaching, the uh, youth group kids in the back row um, the Wilson brothers, who were notorious like the James Gang, and uh, Frankie Farinacci, and challenging me that as I was preaching, they were going, <laughs> and, and I walked into the back. I grabbed the whole of the biggest one, which was Gary Wilson, and I pinned them to the wall. I said, you got the wrong guy. I said, now you come from the back. You sit up in the front, and you'll be with me. And uh, today, that guy is an awesome preacher of the Word of God. And um, I'm blessed to be up here because I, I get a chance to see my incredible nephew and my niece and nieces and nephew, Shane, and uh, the Madaranas that are here. And I get so excited to see them just blossoming in the Lord. It's great. And then I, I get a hold of Leonardi here. And uh, so good to see Kim and, and Rick. This is a faithful couple. They've been here 27 years. And, I, and he, he got saved when I was the youth pastor here and uh, was part of that incredible time and season that I was here. But I want to challenge you folks. I want you to take care of this couple. I want you to be able to bless this couple. They have been faithful to this work through difficult times, through challenging times, when others would have picked up and split. They have been faithful to you and to the Lord. And, and I mean that. They, they, they bless me so much by their faithfulness. I mean, they, they've just been uh, incredible. And uh, Mike Grass, and, uh, you know, when I, when I was here and the, 
working with this youth group. Uh, they were, uh, I, I left and went up to Elam to, uh, to uh, start a ministry called CHIPS, Christ Help Us in Parental Strife, a ministry for single parents and kids. And uh, I thought I got rid of them, and Leonardi followed me up there to go to Elam. Then Grazioso was there and ate me out of house and home. And then Gary Wilson came up, and he was following me. I was like, you God almighty, how the heck can you get away from these kids? But, but coming here is always an incredible treat because it just brings me back to the faithfulness of God. I don't know about you, but I've lived the, the stories that prove the faithfulness of God as that young lady sang. He, he has been faithful. And, and that, that's what I want to talk to you about uh, this morning, being faithful to God when you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need. When the Lord uh, was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he cried out, Father, listen, is there any other way to uh, get this thing done here? You're sweating blood. And he said, well, not my will, but your will be done. You know, when you, when you have the opportunity to live your life as long as I have, and, and um, just want to be faithful to share my wife for 47 years. Susan is here with me. We, we have seen the faithfulness of God, but we haven't gotten all the time what we wanted. And it's always been a challenge to faith that not my will, but your will. But in between there, I have to wait. I have to wait for God's will to be accomplished. And sometimes it doesn't get accomplished according to what I want. And it challenges my faith. How hard is it when the ways that are being accomplished are not according to our wishes. And we have to wait on God. The challenge this morning for you is, does our, your faith sustain under the fallout of unfulfilled expectations? God's plan is perfect, and nothing can stand in the way of the ultimate fulfillment of God. But you wait. Sometimes it's generational waiting. Sometimes it's you. You won't see what God will do in accomplishing what you wish. You'll be dead and gone, and God will accomplish what he wishes to accomplish. I said in the first service, I've done a lot of, a lot of funerals, and talking to the people before they died, they told me of, of the stories of un. un uh, fulfilled expectations, children who didn't get saved, and my, this didn't happen, and that didn't happen, and they go on to glory, and I, I preach the sermon at their funeral, this, they're lying dead in front of me, and I give an altar call, and here come their kids. I mean, God, God, <laughs> now, let me, you know, you're clapping your hands, but is that okay with you? If it happens after you're gone, the faithfulness of God will be faithful. He will accomplish what he has set out to do. You just have to believe and hold on to faith. Them that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They mount up like wings with eagles. 
They're, they're incredible. The, the faith of God that has to wait. We all wait. We wait for relationships to happen, the prodigal to come home, a baby to be born, a job to be gotten, a promotion, salvation. Where is God in all of this? Come on, God. We go from uh, uh, uncertainty and mystery. We, we, we question and we go from questioning to affirming, complaining to confidence. And yet he turns all things together for good in his good time. You, you look at the world today and, and you say, well, they're winning. Let me tell you something. You've got some examples. You know, the billionaire uh, who, who uh, assaulted children, it, it ain't good for him no more. You know, the governor who even, unfortunately, he, he turned on him. I mean, you, you thought he was winning, didn't he? Everybody, they'll, it'll catch up with you. We win, we win, we win. And you could sit back as long as I have these 75 years and you see people who, you go, oh, they're, no, they ain't winning. It comes, it slaps them in the back of the head. It turns on them. It turns in. Then they get, they're caught. As we grow, as, as we wait, we grow in, in, in an increased understanding of God's power, of his person, of his plan, no matter what. We're called to live by faith. That's incredible, the gift of faith. Habakkuk is, is a book of which the Lord took me to as I was raising up a church in the hood of Rochester, New York, where next door to the church was a, a building that was filled with the gang, the blood. And there was prostitution. Our, our church parking lot was uh, attached. There was one parking lot. I'd look out my window and, and watch SWAT teams running up the steps Guns pulled in this big 8,000-square-foot building. I cry out, Lord, what the heck? Our church is connected over here. What, what are, where's the power? What are we doing? And one day the Lord said to me, go down and talk to the owner. I went down. He was a crackhead. I said, hey, buddy, if you ever want to sell the building, let me know. He says, can I meet you in an hour? We wound up buying the building. We wound up going to court with the, uh, with the blood, and, 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 the, and the judge threw them out. He, he, he told them, you're gone, you're finished in, in 15 days, get out. And they said to me they were going to shoot me up. They were going to come against the church. And me from the Bronx, I said, I don't, I don't dance with devils. So you got to do what you got to do. And God was victorious. Got them all out, everybody out. But Habakkuk, he, he cries out, How long, O Lord, in Habakkuk 1 2, how long, Lord, will I call for help and, and thou will not hear? I cry out to thee, violence, yet thou dost not save. The prophet is like, What the heck is going on? How long, how long do I have to wait? For you to do something. And the 
frustration you could hear in, in, through the word that the obstacles that were coming up against them. And the Lord was saying, listen, don't worry. I'm actually using the enemy to get my point across. I'm actually using the horrible things that are happening around us that we're seeing and we're looking and we're, that's, that, wait a second, God's gonna, he's gonna bring his church up when the people turn and say, how come that those people are living a life that's strong and healthy? When, when everything is falling apart, they'll see us being faithful to the things of God. I don't get it, Lord. Sometimes struggles in faith when we see that those that are disobeying, the Chaldeans of our life, are, without fear of divine intervention, they're getting this still. You know, it, it, they, it seems like they're winning. And Habakkuk says, listen, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I'll stand my guard post station myself on the rampart. I'll keep watch to see what he will uh, speak to me. I mean, you, you just have to stand back and wait on God. But that waiting period, no one wants to wait. We're just impetuous, impatient. God's timing and life itself become a waiting room. You're in a waiting room. And he, it seems like he's not responding. In the waiting room, we, we, wait, we hope someone will, will come and call my name. It's all right. It's over. It's all taken care of. The bill's been paid. so difficult in that room. We find ourselves discouraged, depressed, frustrated. Our faith is challenged. Can't believe, like, God, why? I'm having a hard time with you. The book of Matthew, chapter 11. This here always boggled my mind. Matthew 11. Matthew, Mark, and John, right? Thank you. Matthew 11. John the Baptist. Familiar with John? It says in verse 2 of chapter 11, Now when John in prison heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? John, you baptized the guy in the water. The dove flew down. God spoke. You don't know he's the Christ? You got to tell your brothers to go find them? Find out of it because when you're pressed, you want to make sure is is he really God? Is he is he really Christ? Will he really show up? Jesus says, in all the world, there's nobody like my cousin John. 
never been born. John's my guy. I mean, he was favored. But yet John's in prison, and he, his head's going to be cut off. Wait, uh, go, go talk to him and find out. Jesus answers and says to them in verse 4, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then he says this in verse 6, And blessed is he who keeps from stumbling over me. John, not everybody gets what they want. I hope it's not a stumbling. I hope they could keep faith when things don't go according to plan. I hope your faith is not, well, God's got to give me, give me, give me. He's got to do everything I want. And that when God has another plan, that you can hold on to your faith. That you don't stumble over God. I tell you, there was a day in my life when I stumbled over God. And quite some time I was stumbling. My 15-year-old was killed in a car crash. He was my oldest son, who I loved with all my heart. I was a youth pastor, and I lost my firstborn. Susan and I were in the car behind him when a truck hit him in the car. We were destroyed. My faith was rocked. 30 Six hours from the time he got hit until the time he died, I had my intern at in ministry use my Rolodex, which is a, a thing that had, uh, well, to call everybody I knew across the country. I had been on the hundred, Huntley Street from Canada. I had been on 700 Club. I had been uh, on the Praise the Lord. And, you know, I, ha I had people all over the country praying for James, but in 36 hours, the Lord took him. I stumbled. I, I, I couldn't find my faith. Where, where the heck? What's, what words didn't I say properly to raise him up? Should I have laid out on top of him? God, what? It can't be possible. You did, this can't be. Stumbled. Anybody ever stumble? It's a hard reality. My faith was challenged to the core of my family. There were, we were up at Elam. My wife, my daughter was 13. My son was uh, 8. And my daughter was 6. We'd be in church, we couldn't stand being in worship. I mean, they were wiped out. They just kept being wiped out. And I just didn't know where God was. And I, you know, I said, I'm going to go start a landscape business or something. People around me, people of faith came up, no, Pastor, you need to stay, hold steady, hold steady. And I said to them, I'm embracing the cross, but I have splinters in my mouth. 
I just keep spitting it out. But I'm not letting go of the cross. Either you, either this works out in faith or I, there's no faith in you at all. Today, my family is all saved. My grandchildren are all saved. They're walking at such a level in God that I never did at their age. They're way beyond me or my wife when we were their age. God has been so faithful to us in the midst of all of this challenge. But we don't receive sometimes what's expected. And we have to wait. Jesus was 30 years old when he started his ministry. He waited. Because I could think he should be at 18. Hey, Pop, I'm 18. Let's get it going, you know, doing the miracle thing. How about 21? I'm 21. What, how about now? I got a license. I drive camel. I could do everything. 21. Father said, wait. What am, what am I waiting for? I'm waiting for a teenager named Mary. I'm waiting for a Peter. I'm waiting for a Paul. I'm waiting. I'm, it's all being set up for you to come. But he waited. Patiently waited. We don't hear of his impatience. Israel waited 400 years before they entered the land. Malachi, 400 years without a word to Israel. We're in the year 2021, waiting for Jesus to come back. We're waiting. Why does God make us wait? Because in silence, though it produces anxiety, the pressure produces faith. It, it, it takes us to a higher level of understanding. The book of James 1, 3, 4 speaks to us knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. And let the endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God is establishing even through generations, his faithfulness. Through the generations. I see things that my children are doing and they're receiving because of the faithfulness of their lives, which have been tithing for their whole life the blessings of God, the financial blessings to them that we never received because we started tithing at, a, at an age you know, well beyond what they are. God, the, the next, this generation has stepped up and God has been, wow, look what God's doing. Faithfulness of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which perishes through, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise. Glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your unfulfilled expectations are not un unfulfilled in God. He will fulfill them. He sees the Alpha, the Omega. 
the beginning and the end, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a generational God who's moving across the generations. In your small slither of time, everything's got to be done according. God said, hey, slow down, man. I got it in control. Pressure produces faith. Apart from the storms in my life, I never would have taken time to think through the the deeper things of the Lord. When I tell you the death of my son and that challenge of faith took me to a faith that was so intense to understand the father heart of God and how he allowed his son to be put upon a cross and how that loss and what that meant and the depth of, of faith that it took. Oh, I probably could have done a Bible study on the names of the Lord but not when I got to the place of the depth of knowing God at a level of belief. I mean, that which was such a trial has become a testimony. This morning, I pray you are hearing the testimony. You're, you're being blessed by the trial. That you, you could say, this guy's not preaching, this guy's preaching life. 75 years, and that's, that's, that's the message. I'm preaching life, hope. Don't give up. We win. We win. We win. How would I know he's my father until I feel orphaned and abandoned, left alone in the storm? I mean, you cry out, Abba, Father. He's there. He's there. How would I know he is my hiding place until I hear the enemy crashing in on me and cry out for peace and refuge? How would I know he's my portion until what I treasure and hold dear is suddenly threatened and taken away? I don't wish that on anybody. I don't, I don't wish, you know, become one of these giants of faith so go through the pain of suffering. I don't wish that on anybody. But it comes, doesn't it? I don't know how. It just comes. This, we're living in a, a depraved world. It comes and you're battered by it. But in Christ, we stand. The pressure and the waiting forces faith you see your true colors. Oh, yeah, I'm faithful. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you're hitting your gut. And you're spewing and you're cranky. Crotchety. Your faith is gone. That's, that's the challenge to rise up. Face forward. Fail forward. Go forward. Don't quit. Just might not come out the color that you thought. Well, I thought I was a much better Christian. I'm the, well, you're going to become a better Christian. The pressure challenges you like, like you're being, re, being refined as gold. It's, it's pressing in on you. You're becoming a diamond. There's pressure.
pressure of life. And it's okay. I mean, if you, I don't understand how people without Christ do it. I mean, how they face these challenges, the pressure of life. I mean, they're, they, they turn to the bottle, they turn to the pill, they turn to uh, everything other than what is true. They increase my faith. Sometimes your faith endures. That was the faith that I needed when James died. Enduring faith. The second part of Hebrews 11. When those that were faithful people were sawn in, in half, they were stoned. And it says there were, there were people worthy of the blessing, but they, they, they endured hardship. And that was enduring faith. And enduring faith taught me a lot. I learned from achieving faith. My beautiful bride had three, three aneurysms. Three. She's a miracle. And literally, when the first brain aneurysm happened, I was teaching. It was Saturday night, 1 o'clock in the morning. That Sunday at the church I was pastoring, I was teaching on the anatomy of a miracle. Talking about a miracle, the anatomy of a miracle. I was in the ambulance, and she was being loaded in the back. And I said to the Lord, I guess you don't want me to preach on a, on a miracle. Now, you show me a miracle. We got to the hospital. She went to ICU. She got tubes and everything didn't know touch and go. Eventually, they wheel her out, or, and she in, in ICU. And a doctor came in. My, me and my kids are all around her. And he comes in, and he was a little Indian uh, doctor. He said, "Lucy, Lucy, where are your toes? Oh, look at that toe. Your feet. How about your finger? Oh, your fingers are working good. You can blink your eye. Yeah. Oh, this is incredible." You incredible. This is incredible. I said, "Is it a miracle?" He goes, "It's a miracle." <laughs> wow. That's when my wife said, "Was I going to die?" And the doctor said, "Well, you were really close." And the, the interesting thing was, as she, she was sick, and, and uh, you know, when that thing hit, it, it threw her off balance and. She was sick in every which way. I laid my hands on her head. And I prayed, Lord Jesus, please touch her. And I, when the miracle came, she said to the doctor, what's the miracle? He said, the miracle is that the blood stopped when it did because one more drop of blood, she was gone. And I said, God, thank you, Lord. And that was achieving faith. Achieving faith. Everybody wants achieving faith. And so do I. But I want to tell you that sometimes it's enduring faith. You hold on to it. As I said, you embrace the cross. It's got, you split this in your mouth. You walk, even though through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil. You just say, this, this valley stinks. The Lord says, keep, keep walking. Keep, don't stop. 
Don't build your tent in this valley. Just keep going. Keep going. I'll take you out of this valley. Trust in the matchless wisdom of God. Wisdom is the ability to discern the latter end. You got to know the end of the story. You know, if you know the end of the story that we win, that's incredible wisdom. Matchless wisdom of God. That even through the generations, you just you don't know even that you're living your life in a way where your children or grandchildren, people in your church. People are watching you and people are growing, looking at you. And God, God's got this infinite plan that just crazy good. Just crazy good. How he makes all things work together for good. You got it's like, what a mind you have. It's like, how the heck? But he does. It's incredible wisdom. Habakkuk in chapter three, after he's going through all of the hoops and waiting on God. He says this in verse 17, Though the fig tree should not blossom, there be no fruit on the vines. Though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He has made my feet like hinds feet. He makes me walk on my high places. Though the figs are not coming, though the cows are not coming, though this is not happening, though this is, I will exalt the Lord. I will not go of the, let go of the Lord. So each of us are probably waiting for something. What's the character of your faith in waiting? Like I said, are you crotchety, cranky, complaining, moaning, angry? Come on. You can't carry, you can't take that. You, you're wasting your life with all of this worry and that you're in control and you're not. You can trust in him. Lean not on your own understanding. Put your trust in God, knowing that he's so faithful. Look at the generations. Look at the word from Genesis through Revelation. Look at the faithfulness of God. And that's just a glimpse of where we are today and how, how we, we, that whole thing is planned out and and we study it, and we, it's still happening. It's unfolding. History is unfolding. Faith is unfolding. You, you are pictures of faith. How is your faith holding up and waiting? Have you stumbled over him? Have, have you stumbled to the place where, like, you keep stumbling? This morning, I want to pray for you that are waiting. You're in the waiting room. I want to encourage you. I want the Holy Spirit to come into that waiting room. Just 
hug you and hold you and tell you, I got it. I got it. Take a deep breath. I got it. You may not see it at this juncture, but I got it. I know, I know what you what needs to be done. And it'll be done according to my will and my time. If that if you're in need of faith this morning, if you're waiting on something that trust in the Lord and you feel like this message is something to encourage you, stand to your feet and I'll be prayed for you. Can you put something background there on the music or our Father, we wait on you and we know that you are the God who makes all things work together for good. And you're our generational God. You, do, you don't see our just little slither of life. You see the generations. You see, you see the Alpha and the Omega of our life. You, you see what you've done in the generations prior, even to bring us to this place today of faith, there, that there have been people of faith, or there's been a move of the Spirit that's captured us and but we're, we're standing here today as people of faith. But I pray, increase our faith. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. We think of it tongues or prophecy, but faith, faith. Give us faith that endures. Give us faith that achieves. Give us faith that's mature. To know when we have to endure and when we succeed and that we give you all the glory. And I pray for those that are embracing the cross. I pray that you, you send those along the way to uh, encourage them, help them endure, that they would know they're in the right place in this church uh, to be encouraged, that, that you will come alongside of them and make that which is your will to be accomplished. Lose no one, Lord. I, t I take the devil and break the devil's back in the name of Jesus that would cause people to quit. That, that would cause people to just, I keep just stumbling over the same thing. It's 40 years, Lord, and I keep stumbling over it. Lord, open up their eyes to see. That they would see how the way through, Lord, that you would show them a way above, that they'd have a vision of their future, that they'd be people of wisdom who would understand the latter end. I trust in you, sweet Jesus. I trusted you that you endured the cross for us. You were all flesh, you were all human, and yet you took the wound for us. So today I ask a blessing on these people, these our brothers and sisters, that their faith would arise. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you.